All right. <laughs> Welcome to Highlander Rewatch, the podcast where each and every week we talk about another facet of the Highlander universe. I'm one of your rewatchers. I'm Keith. This is Kyle. This is Amen. And there's going to be a very special b- 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 bonus episode. <laughs> Ooh, it's, it really slowed down there in the it middle. It was, <laughs> it was drowning, That's but then it emerged. Problems. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're doing a special episode this week because guess what? It's the summertime and our schedules are crazy. So if you've been following us on Facebook, just the other week we had a live show as part of the Philadelphia Podcast Festival. And we're actually recording this before that happens. But, but I'm sure it went great. But I'm great. sure it was awesome. Everyone had a great time. There were prizes. Phenomenal. I ate pierogies. There were 400 people there. Yeah. Everyone saw Eamon's dick somehow. It mm-hmm. got weird. Mm-hmm. Not somehow. <laughs> and flapped it out there so anyway it's been very busy and of course here in america it was just the july 4th holiday week last week so everyone's been busy on vacation celebrating independence mm. for all of our british fans out there and there's suck it yeah there's been lots of yeah. vacations uh Eamon was in savannah recently south carolina south carolina savannah south carolina if i know my geography greenville that's right <laughs> um, what huh i was in savannah kyle was in savannah georgia Georgia. Wait a minute. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm very, I'm I legitimately d- got I confused, deeply... and I was like, Eamon was in Savannah, and I, that was markedly wrong. <laughs> yes. Kyle was in Savannah. Savannah. Eamon was in South Carolina? Greenville, South Carolina. That's right. Very good. And I have just gotten back, when this drops, from Paris and Germany. Oui, oui. Gay Paris. Gay Paris. Mm. Home of Duncan McLeod's barge. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what it says when you fly into the airport. When you find it at De Gaulle, it's De Gaulle, right? Yeah. Yeah, it says home of Duncan McLeod's boat. <laughs> home of Duncan McLeod's boat. boat. <laughs> and Maurice. And Maurice, the drunk, lecherous Maurice. <laughs> the anyway, great representation of the French people. So... These episodes take a while to put together, so we thought we'd do kind of a little bonus thing where we did a bunch of reader mail, because in the past couple weeks, we've gotten a shit ton of it. <laughs> you guys are prolific, and it's awesome. Yeah, uh, so we're going to read those through and uh, read those through. Read I don't know. Read those through? Whatever. We're just going to read them while Silently. we record this yeah. audio. But just to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if you got talk, stuff to do... Talk amongst yourselves. Do the dishes, do the laundry, because we're just going to be reading over here. And if you can guess... Whose letter we're reading by our grunts and differing air intakes. Right. Differing up by the air intakes. Audio. You get a prize. That's right. Uh, so, and also, in typical Highlander Rewatch fashion, we're going to be doing some snack and drink reviews while we power through all this reader mail. So, should we start with a snack review or should we just jump into a little we bit of We should do a reader mail Let's first. Do, right. Let's give the people what they came for, which all is right. honestly a review of a Highlander episode, but they're not getting it. They're getting this. That's so let's right. do it. All right. Here so, our first email comes from Brian's, Brian S. Multiple Brian's. And if you remember from many weeks ago, I guess it would be, there was a gauntlet thrown down. By us, on behalf of Brian and Jim's. Right. Jim's. And so, Jim's, yeah, they, there was, this was arguing about... Duncan, Duncan being McLeod. being stingy and mm-hmm. about his moral code or whatever, being judgmental <laughs> like, or whatever. I don't know what or this whatever. Is. Being yeah. judgmental. Oh, also, I should just mention that this episode. Well, we've been drinking all day because we've been recording all day, and this episode will not be edited very, uh, very. We'll be tightly. edited while drunk. Yeah, probably. No, like mm. I would edit this episode, but I'm in Paris right now, oui, so oui. I'm not. So there that's what you're getting. Buckle up. Brian says a rebuttal, if I may. So, as James has presented his evidence, predominantly, as it may seem, it has no real gravitas to bear upon the case of Duncan's moral code. Well, this is very florid. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) Brian's really... His last retort to this was, you're wrong. Yeah. Point of fact, in the case of Tommy Sullivan, the fighter, 
Duncan decided he was the only one to judge and execute him. Was not the authorities an option for Mac to have mortals render judgment upon Tommy since his crimes was against mortals? Hey! hey. Recent episodes. Ooh. We just talked about this. Tune in to our last episode. Yeah, tune Re- in to previous episodes. Reluctant heroes to have an in-depth discussion of this very point. That's right. Nefertiri... Love scorned and lost and timed after being betrayed by Marcus takes her vengeance out on his wife, and she felt slighted by her queen's death due to Marcus's actions. Clearly an unfinished lover's spat. After having macked her, he hacked her. (laughs) (laughs) This is that is so good. I don't know. You're winning this argument right now on that one. Just macked her and hacked her. (laughs) That's that's Max. That's like a fucking. That's Max. That's Max. Mac and hack. Yeah, that's his his immortal version of hit it and quit it. (laughs) Macker and hacker. I macked her and I hacked her. I don't want her no more. (laughs) No, that's so good, Brian. So good. I told you, man. Oh boy, Mac. Mac's past promises are only excuses for him to later act as judge and executioner. But then again, he is the Highlander, promise keeper and writer of all wrongs. I leave the tribunal to consider, if not other rewatchers. Let the fans have at it. Much love, James. Thumbs up. Nice. That was a a pretty I'm sorry, I read that kind of weird. He says, much love, James. Thumbs up. From Brian S. I read it like uh, it was from James, James. signing off. I was like, wait, who wrote this email? Good job, That was, that was good. Yeah. yeah. The, I think the feud continues. And I'm actually very curious to see what other fans think. I felt this way for a while, but I think I'm on Team Brian on this one. That Mac is judgmental. He's a little judgy. I think he's a judgy. I think he's a judgy Johnny. We've just done some episodes where he was definitely judgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he yeah. operates on his own code, which is not very transparent mm-hmm. to we, the viewer. He's a little Judge Judy over there. That checks out. Judge Judy. Bacter and Hector is fucking that is, gold. Yeah. Like, that is gold. That is, so such a, that is such a good pull. Macter and Hector. I'm Hector and I Hector. Okay, and next, uh, I'll read a little email from Paul H. And this is a fun one. This isn't about a specific episode. But, Paul, uh, we just want to give you a shout out, Paul. Uh, he has put together, if you've, well, if you've noticed, if you've been listening or paying attention at all. If this is your first episode, I'm if sorry. You noticed. Yeah, yeah. If you've noticed. If you're aware that this is a podcast like and not just. Have you noticed? Mm-hmm. Are uh, you even aware of what's going on? Abroad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you're here talking about Highlander, and you know what they're doing in Darfur? Oh my Ooh. god, I don't. <laughs> Darfur. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> Willem Darfur. Oh, oh boy. Anyway, we we've been rate we rate the episodes at the end of every episode. We give it a score between one and five. But this is not a thing a practice we've been doing since the the beginning the beginning since the conception of the podcast. We actually started it pretty late in season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but Paul H went back through every single episode and he tallied our uh, scores, our individual scores. Wow! Uh, and created a spreadsheet, uh, and he even like created a spreadsheet to include all the original episodes that we have not scored on for us to maybe go back through at a later date and give a score to. So this is awesome. This can be very completionist. Cool. So awesome for you, Paul. To like, we've been emailing back and forth a little bit. It's awesome for him to do it. It's awesome for us, really. It's awesome for us. It. Is it awesome that he had to re-listen to all our episodes? Well, that's why he he did email me, and he was like, "Hey, like, do you guys? When did you do this? Like, I listened to some <laughs> early episodes, and you don't have a rating." I was like, "Oh shit! Like, no, no, no! Don't listen to those. Like, it's at like the end of season two. We set things straight, so you didn't have to go back through every episode." <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, 
you don't have to listen to the whole episode. You just fast forward to yeah. the end. Yeah, right? um, Where so we say, like, how many widgets did you give this Winkle? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't start rating until the episode Warmonger 217. Wow. That? That's crazy. Uh, so I, I printed this out. At some point, we're going to do another episode where we go through, or privately, we'll go through and rate other episodes. So we'll Private maybe have a, episode. Private episodes. Uh, so we'll maybe have a mm. complete list of our ratings. But do you guys want to guess what our most highly rated episode was going from episode 217 warmonger up until 4.4 leader of the pack what do you guys think the average this collective score we think the highest rated one was uh. finale part two Ooh. that's what i was gonna guess finale part two has a score of 4.17 Ooh. Ooh. but that is not the most highly rated episode what is I the most highly rated episode came in at 4.6 Seven. 4.67 that's very high and it's the samurai oh, oh. that was gonna be my other guess but and it's because oh. i gave it a five and you guys gave it 4.5s interesting and our scores on finale part two was i gave it a four kyle gave it a four and amon gave it a 4.5 mm. there we go so what do you guys think our lowest rated episode has been mm. since warmonger till date Oh, this is tricky i know right well i actually think the answer might be the one we just did the colonel but Right. Which would not be reflected on this. Correct. Because it has not come out. I will say this. What did we rate the colonel? I think we all did two or no, we got 2.5. Oh, I wow. thought I gave it a 1.5. Yeah, Kyle gave it a 1.5. Well, I'll say this. This is lower rated than that. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which so one what's is it? Yeah, this is tricky. That? We all rag on this episode all the time. And when the author... The author, the writer. <laughs> and the author. The author. <laughs> the author. The author. Of the episode comes up, we're like, ooh, they wrote that one. Give us a oh. little teeny clue. The villain's name is Kiho. Oh. Oh, Obsession? Obsession. Yeah, yeah that you was terrible. Guess what the score was, the collective score? 1.2? There's hardly an average score. We all gave it the exact same score. A one? We all gave it a one. Wow. Good. Okay. We that's hated dessert. that episode yeah. so much. Fuck that episode. Yeah, so how about that? So, so we'll that, be... That was that scored worse than this one. It right? did. Or not this one. But the yeah. Colonel. The Colonel. The Colander. Yeah. The Spider-Man. <laughs> The Spider-Man? Spider-Man. As pretty as this. <laughs> this goofball. spider. Uh, two so, goofs. Thank you very much, Paul H., for doing this for thank us. You, we Paul. really do appreciate it. And it's yeah, we'll try to fill in the blanks. And hopefully this will be something we can like present at the end of every season or mid... I don't know. We'll figure out some way that we can like share... Yeah, maybe we'll give a breakdown. Yeah, of some sort stuff. of breakdown, collective scores, who knows. Breakdown. Yeah, very fun. Thank you very much for doing that, Paul. Super fan, Paul. All right, so... You're, you're the hero we deserve. Actually, you know what? We don't even deserve you. You're that good. Kyle, why don't you read this email? This is from Chip M, who writes us about... Chip him. Chip him. Uh, he writes us about Brothers in Arms. That's a real throwback. Brothers in Arms. I we're know. talking about, like, mid-season one here. Brothers. Wait, hold on. Oh, Brothers in Arms. We're talking about season four. Sorry, That's I was right. thinking of Band of Brothers. Exactly. Which is the mistake we all make. Yeah. In episode two, Brothers in Arms, the sword cord... The sword cord... <laughs> Uses as a mar- as a Marine Corps enlisted. Oh boy, uh, the Sword Corps Corps. Yeah, is enlisted non commissioned officer sword. They have basically been novelty sh- swords since World War II, used for ceremonial drill and performing morning colors ceremonies. Is a uh, Chipham's like a. Uh pseudonym dr seuss this is really fucking hard to think <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sort of tongue twister and yet i'm muddling through yeah theodore geisel is that dr seuss's real name hell yeah he wrote some great anti-nazi propaganda it's awesome awesome it's, it's awesome i mean it's great fuck the nazis uh 
They, the Highlander rewatched Mantra. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the Nazis. In my experience, the swords I've used were not made for actual combat, and some have been so cheap the blade comes loose from the hill. Uh, go back. Hold on. The swords I've used. Chip him. He got, uh, what? <laughs> uh, based on the way he signs off. No, I, I, I'm I, just I, kidding. I, I think there is reason to believe this gentleman served in the Marines. And we thank you for that. Yes, thank, thank you for, you for, your, service. for your service. We don't mean to be, be glib. Uh, <laughs> well, we mean to be glib, but like not to you. Just glib, in was uh, that the monkey in <laughs> Super Friends? Glib? Glib, yeah, that's it. Gleep and glib. It's, gleep it's gleep. And glib. <laughs> in my experience, the swords I've used were not made for actual combat, and some have been so cheap the blade comes loose from their hilt. Again, only ever used for ceremonial sword drill. I really like that Kord had so much diversion to the core to get a real one made and use it as his weapon of choice, but it does suck that he's a creep as a character. <laughs> Which is fair, like, you know, he's out there being a soldier serving his country and like something goes awry (laughs) what's this transition from like being perhaps an overly a a morally dubious soldier to an arms dealer (laughs) yeah this episode also exemplifies how things go wrong when duncan doesn't let those closest to him know what he is yeah yeah Tell me about it. <laughs> you all commented all the time in season three about how bad his relationship was, was with Anne, and that was entirely because he had to keep lying to her. Charlie only dies in this episode because Duncan doesn't tell him the truth. I know Duncan has his reasons not to tell, but we've all seen it lead to bad results several times. Chip M. No, these are great points. That's a really good pull about the Marine Corps saver. Right. Like, it's just like a, it's, it reflects really strong attention to detail by everyone involved in this show that it's like, okay, this could be anything. It could be, it could be anything, but instead they choose something that reinforces a character dynamic. Yeah. And that's worthwhile. Yeah. And that was Efron who brought that to the show. Like, they weren't really intentionally picking weapons for characters like early on that's why that what sheriff bad guy in the innocent man innocent man yeah, or whatever yeah. it's like mm-hmm. why is he fighting with a giant claymore like he's this like southern sheriff dude we're like huh what's Who's that like, about only been immortal for a little while yeah it's like eh, yeah. i don't really get this choice there you go very Attention good to detail good stuff thank you chip em. chip em. guy you want to read the next one there sure this is from uh, another super fan vince's vince's, vince's. vince this is about band of brothers in arms good <laughs> I dig it. Hey, Ragazzi, is what it's, uh, is how it starts. I'm not familiar with that term. Just finished listening to your rewatch of Brothers in Arms. What can I say? Excellent as usual. Hells yeah. Thanks, Vince. This Highlander episode has always been one of my favorites. Top 10 for sure, for most of the reasons you mentioned. Especially the, por- the performance of Wolfgang Bodison himself. Yeah, because it's amazing. He's so good. Great made- Bodison at work. Yeah. He made this episode so memorable. In fact, after listening to your rewatch comments, I think I moved this episode into my top five. Wow. wow. I mean, Wolfgang Bodison really does nail that window of being over the top, but not too much. Mm-hmm. The thing that, like, Sp- Colonel Spider-Man failed. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Peter Parker missed that window by a mile, and this guy slips right in. If I was writing this episode, I would have kept him around for another episode down the line. It would have been interesting the idea you guys mentioned of having charlie survive and become a watcher so how about if duncan and the boy scout joe would have told charlie what cord was charlie still goes after him but he tries to take his head and finish him off for good cord wins and leaves the scene but charlie is hurt such as paralyzed or something now the story would be what would duncan do he warned charlie about cord but charlie still went after him 
Would he go after Cord? Would Cord still try to get Mac? How would that affect Mac and Joe's relationship? Charlie is a watcher. It would just be cool. Hmm. Well, keep up the work. Seek and destroy, you little... Not sn- good work, just the work. <laughs> the good work. He just said work. Oh, he did write good. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Seek, <laughs> seek and destroy, you little snakes. And he signs off. Outstanding! There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Vince. Outstanding. That's, yeah, I actually like that idea. Some notion that, like, keeping the dispute purely between Charlie and Cord, mm-hmm. that maybe Mac never himself is 100% involved in the whole thing. And then there's a whole question of, like, I warned Charlie. Like, Charlie chose to do this despite that. Joe can maybe take the position, it's not Cord's fault. Like, even knowing what this was, mm. Charlie went after him. I don't know. Hmm. It's interesting. Amy, do you want to do the next two? Sure. This is from Jackif. Jackif. Hey, guys. Sorry to email you so much lately. Great coverage on Brothers in Arms. No problem, Jack. Yeah, keep them coming. I completely agree with you that it's extremely shitty that they treated Charlie so bad in this. It didn't make much sense to me. I do think that Philip Aiken was on the top of his game performance-wise. Same with Jim Burns, even Adrian Paul, and how he handled Charlie's death. The story and other items, not so much. So I won't dare chime in on the upper-level entrance of Joe's, but I will say (laughs) that it looks like it's at least different than the area we see in most of the establishing shots. Also, when Duncan pushes Charlie out with the knife, that is the same entrance we always see in the Joe's bar establishing shot. Same doors, same walls, same side stairs. But it's either been set dressed to be a different one or the original establishing shots were taken before the loading dock signs and kegs were put there by whoever uses that building for real business. Real business. (laughs) And we know who the real business is, which is that weird nightclub uh, from what episode was that? The one with uh, Kobasi. Oh. Vendetta. Vendetta. That's like the real Joe's. Like the loading dock to that nightclub is the Joe's Ah. loading dock. Gotcha. Not the interior. The interior is real from Vendetta. So you have to ask yourself, does that count as another entrance, or was it just a continuity error on Ooh. the production's part? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the scene where Duncan confronts Joe before the final battle is hours, if not a day, after Charlie's death. Duncan is wearing a different shirt and coat. I always assumed Duncan had to deal with getting Charlie's body taken care of. Maybe he had to process his grief and then confronted Joe who was obviously bummed out and drinking a beer. The final quickening reminded me of the Highlander 1 with all of the glass breaking. Just this time, it was the wall breaking. Pretty cool overall. Thanks, guys, and keep on keeping on. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, but I like the point that he brings up about, like, Mac doesn't even find Charlie to, like, maybe a day later because of the clothing change. We did not notice that. Oh. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy. That is and also maybe up. further explains why like a knife wound maybe kills Charlie. Not to mention he fell, I guess, like a long way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he probably has some broken bones. But if he was just sitting out there for like all night, you know. Oh, that's a horrible way to die. That's a go. really bad way to die. Just slowly like bleeding out in an alley on yeah. trash. Also, like him having to dispose of his body. <laughs> Yeah, real dark shit. That's dark. And what's the final one we got on Band of Brothers, Eamon? So this, Brothers in Arms, this is from Jim S. Great episode, as always. I didn't intend to write in because I don't want to be that guy. You're that guy. But a few (laughs) things We love that you're that guy. We love it. First, when coming up with the Highlander band, you didn't name Hugh Fitzcarran. 
dudes, it's Roger Daltrey, one of the greatest rock <laughs> and rollers really not name of all time. No, it's because you he's left like, him a, out. He he went to culinary school. He's on craft services. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's, that's right. right. He, <laughs> Roger Daltrey does not exist in the Highlander yeah. universe. Hugh Fitzcarran though was a great cook. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Second, still on the entrance to Joe's, I'm willing to be flexible because Highlander was a relatively low budget show, and the loading dock was the back of the studio. I will cut them some slack in terms of <laughs> geography. Thanks, Jim. That's very uh, generous. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so magnanimous. Third, Cord. I feel he was a better villain than you gave him credit for. Oh, I thought we liked him. Yeah. But let's see. How much did we credit him? I don't remember. One of you pointed out that he was always on edge, and I feel that's a good portrayal of post-traumatic stress disorder. Good point. This follows Ab- Abramowitz's theory that people don't change, just become better or worse versions of themselves. Cord never cut the cord. (laughs) See what I did there? When it came to war, the Watcher's Chronicle says his first death was with that regiment from Massachusetts that had Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, and Matthew Broderick. (laughs) Like from Glory? The movie Glory, that's right. He died a soldier and stayed a soldier, and in the business of war, and that gradually drove him mad. Back in Nam, you still had the soldier's honor, twisted as it was, of protecting your men. So he protected the rapist, and he saved Joe, even when he didn't have to. But by the time he met up with Charlie, he had lost it. He was still in the war business, but had degenerated into a person with no honor. You guys pointed out that he moved differently and was violent even when confronting McLeod. He hit himself with his own handguard. That was a deliberate choice by the director. This was a man consumed by violence. He was barely restrained and everything about his about him was meant to show that. I actually liked the performance, and while he could be bigger than life, I loved the line reading he gave about how they should take up the bad guns with quality control. It was just so indifferent and blasé. He is quite blasé. He is. Blasé. And again, going back to my perception of the theme of season four, people who don't let go of the past, who don't learn and grow beyond just who they were when they were mortals, get consumed by their pasts. Well, that seems fair based on some of the episodes we've talked about so far. We've got a bunch of people. We've got a bunch of revenge plots in this. Yeah. Killian's still an assassin. Kincaid's still a sailor. Mm-hmm. They're all just the same, and they want revenge, and they want to keep doing what they're doing, even though they're incongruous with the current world. It's no accident that the writers had Duncan leave his father's sword in Scotland. Duncan may not have lost his Highland roots, but he has added much more. Charlie can't let go He's of the grown past. into a mighty oak. He has. From those highland roots. From those highland roots. But to be fair, Mara has been dead for a couple of months. Joe, on the other hand, is entirely motivated by something that happened 30 years prior. By being unable to reconcile Cord of 1968 and Cord of 1995, tragedy happens. Not that Cord of 1968 was a great guy. No. I mean, he saves Joe's life. That's good. Yeah. So he has some scruples or honor of, of some kind, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, I really like this episode. I really thought it worked on all levels. So I would rate higher than you guys mm. who also liked it. Thanks, Jim S. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Brothers in arms. Also, rating it higher than us. What did we rate it? I don't remember. I don't remember. Let's resort to the other. The, uh, the old list, uh, putting it to good use. Where is it here? Brothers in arms. I gave it a four. Kyle gave it a four, and Eamon gave it a three point five. So we so rated pretty, it pretty good, pretty, pretty well. High. That's a pretty good one. Eamon, you seem to have some problems with it. 
some problems, but I liked it. No, uh, I mean, I thought we liked all liked Cord. I was kind of surprised. No, and I I like the point that people have brought up about, or he brought up specifically about PTSD. I don't know if we tapped. We did in, not talk about. And that, I think which that's a great. really great way to view this. He probably had PTSD PTSD before, before right. Vietnam started, right? Which is yeah. a really interesting way to look at that character, and I think makes it even better. I think, yeah, uh, which is interesting. And one other email we'd like to read for Brothers in Arms actually comes from the author, the writer of that episode, Maury Ravinsky. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Saw that you were re-watching Brothers in Arms. I started to listen and my iPad crashed, so I have no idea what you guys said. And maybe it's better that way. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Maury afterwards, and I was like, no, we really liked this episode. Like, it's a solid episode. Um, and I also talked to Maury about reading this email uh, on air, and he was very cool with it. Uh, cool. And so we're really excited to be able to share this email with you guys. And so here's a little backstory on it. He says, It was an emotional episode to write because we made it in the way back when, and for some of us, Vietnam was still a raw wound. Friends lost to war, lives derailed by principle, others guided underground on dangerous missions to sanctuary across the border in Vancouver. Lives both in-country and here at home were thrown into permanent disarray, and innocence became irrevitably suspect. We lost not only the lives and dreams of Vietnam, we lost them here, too. And we lost our big, generous, noble vision of who we are. We sent brave warriors far away to defend liberty and freedom, to bring the American dream to people hungry for it. It became instead a nightmare. He's not heavy, he's my brother, was an ethic not necessarily shared by everyone. Writing that episode, it was impossible not to be reminded of those amazing years and the friends who peopled it. Getting prodded now by Rewashed is cause for some despair. (laughs) Uh, We started a revolution which boiled down to honor and dignity for all. And we're still losing. Worse now, it feels like. I saw a sign at the Women's March. I marched for these things in the 60s. I can't fucking believe I have to be out here again. It was the worst of times and best of times. It still is. This was going to be a short note, but I don't have the time. Be good, Maury. And also attached to that, he has given us a draft of the first script for the episode, which we are going to read and hopefully talk about later and share uh, which is really awesome. Anyway, we reached out to Maury and talked to him about this. Uh, of course, <laughs> I hope we didn't scare it too bad. We actually love this episode. I think it's a really good episode. The PTSD email we received plus Maury's email, like I think does reframe some stuff for me, at least personally, like how I viewed this episode as someone that wasn't connected to it in a more personal way. I mean, yeah, because I mean, I mean, I, when I read this, I got like emotional. I was like, oh, boy. Like, yeah, I uh, mean, he wrote this 15 plus years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah, essentially. Mm-hmm. And a lot's changed since then. But like, you know, Vietnam is not something that's burned into the memory of people our age because no. we have no memory at all of it. It's purely historical event for us. And it's easy to lose sight of like our parents didn't serve in v- like a lot of people a little bit older than us. Not too much older. Like their parents served in Vietnam. That's not true, at least for me. Not me um, either. So it's it's not as I don't know ingrained in my memory as a, a real thing. But it's very interesting, and it's I, I love good to get that perspective because it's you know most of the flashbacks in this event in this story, intense though they are, are not about events which anyone living would recall. Right. Even flashbacks to World War One. There's like two World War One veterans left. Like, these are events that feel truly remote and alien. Yeah. And it's good to remember that some of these very intense, you know, limits of human experience happened and were experienced by people who are still living. And, you know, all of these social fallout and ramifications from that. It really did affect a lot of people who are still with us and probably mm-hmm. still have feelings about that time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I do like the sentiment, the he's not heavy, he's my brother, which was a song as well. Like that's I that's a really interesting line. Yeah, uh that was great. So thank you very much for Maury for writing us and for writing that episode. It's a good episode and uh we appreciate it. And, yeah. Uh, also good on High like Highlander does a good job, I think, and hopefully we didn't make too much light of it, I hope. Although we try to, we jo- make a lot of light. Yeah, we I know, make light of like, everything. That's that's the thing. Yeah. Is like, yeah, we joke around on our show. So hopefully we didn't inadvertently, you know, make light of stuff that has like personally affected people uh, like that. But Highlander does do a good job, I think, of bridging the gap, like showing, like the the flashback idea in Highlander is to show the bridge of like these experiences have happened before. This idea of the human experience always repeats itself, and. These things are meaningful and pertinent over and over again. Mm-hmm. So there we go. On a serious note. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Brought you down. Yeah, that's right. So uh, before we continue, do you want to have a little snack review yeah. after Let's that? Let's do it. Okay, guys. I've been on a rampage through Chinatown. I was just in Chinatown in New York in Flushing. Go to Flushing, Chinatown. It's an advertisement for Chinatown in Flushing. Don't go to the Manhattan one. There's nothing wrong with the Manhattan one. A little touristy. Some little tourist traps there. Flushing. Take the 7 train. Anyway, so I got some fun Chinese snacks because I can't help myself. So we got some chips, baby. Chips. They're coming at you, Kyle. What do we got? Ooh, cucumber flavor. Wow. And the picture on the front of these, it's another Lay's variety. It's a sliced potato, very Mm. common on Lay's, right next to a bunch of sliced cukes. Cukes. Laying it all out there on the, the old cover. Get cuked. Get cuked. Get cukes libs. Get cuked. <laughs> I cuked these three libs from Highlander Rewatch. Oh I'm very excited to try these. Ooh, you can smell a little of the cucumber. Okay. This is confusing. Deeply. I kind of like these. It's it tastes a lot, uh, so oddly like cucumber, like a kind of salty cucumber that isn't a pickle. Yeah. It's weird. It's like freaky deaky. This is weird, man. These are pretty good. Yeah, I like these. I don't know if I like am. I don't. I don't think I like it, but I'm impressed. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, I don't find these as like addictive as like a spicy chip or like something that's more savory. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. But it's it's weird how they're high fidelity chips. Huh? How about that? Yeah, interesting. How about that? So Lay's get them if you can. Cucumber flavored. They're worth the taste. We got cuked by Lay's. I'm giving these a seven just for pure novelty. Like. Huh. These are. I'm very glad I tried these. I don't know that I these want these. Are more. impressive. Like, yeah. they nailed the cucumber flavor. Yeah, like, I don't know how they made this taste this much like a cucumber. It's kind of Cuc- freaking me out. And the, there's like literally no American like English ingredients on the back of this thing. So I got no idea what they put in it. Cukey. All right. How about a little bit more reader mail after yeah. a little snack break? This one comes from Jim S. He's back. Jim from Jim Detroit. is back. Writing about leader of the pack. Broom, broom. He says, great podcast, guys. Never thought I would hear one about canine penises, but it's always nice to be surprised. <laughs> well, we don't How disappoint. Did you, but you did watch an episode where bitches in heat. Couple of notes. Canis was not wearing sunglasses. He was wearing shooting or hunting glasses. The yellow lenses cut down on haze and filter out blue light from the spectrum. That makes it easier for hunters to differentiate target from background. Oh. Interesting. I am not entirely sure of this. Oh? I, I don't know. I'm not disagreeing. Like, this is, that's an interesting point. But also, I feel like I remember in the 90s, like, these colored, shaded, like, colored shades were like a thing. See the movie Natural Born Killer. There's a good example, right? So, like, I'm not yeah. sure if, like, the frame style also, says 
hunting glasses. Canis isn't a hunter, is he? Well, yeah, I guess I he I sort mean, of kind is. of is. Though. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I have not checked the footage, but maybe, maybe, maybe? not. I'm not like 100 percent insight. Regardless, definitely <laughs> very cool. All right, thank you, Jamess. Uh, so he says second point. Duncan did talk with Richie. He pointed out that he had killed, and it brought him no peace. What else is there to say? Also, there is a sub-theme with the first few episodes of the season. It is family. In Homeland, Duncan avenges his father's death. I might agree with you on this, Jim S. I was like, I don't think they explore. This is my no, fault. False. I- they don't explore the extent of the killing. He- he's not talking about Canwolf. He's talking about like killing people with like their family watching. I think... That Mac is, is talking. Line. No, I no, I think Mac or Jim is saying that they didn't hash this out with Richie, and R- Duncan does explain to Richie. He's like, "Hey, I've done this before, and it was no good. You shouldn't do it." I think I was like, "I don't know if the show dealt with like Mac and Richie hashing it out too much." I'm not sure. No, they did not. You are you were correct. You think I'm right? I think you were correct the first time. Look at that. Like the the ex- God going to bat for me. No, no, no. <laughs> the it's it's not. If it was just about like. I've had I've gotten my revenge before. If the claim was I've gotten my revenge before and it doesn't feel the way you think it does, I might agree with the point. It's the extremity of like the point Duncan McCloud makes demands interrogation. Mm-hmm. Like it can't you can't just sit it there. It's just like being like if you went into a conversation and like your mom said, you know, I think I might be a racist. <laughs> Like, you would have a follow-up question. So you heard it here, Jim. Kyle says, Your mom's it. racist. Kyle says, suck it. Uh, I'm going to skip your next point uh, because it deals with something that happens later in the series. Spoiler. Yeah, so there's some spoiler stuff. Is that what the S stands for? Jim S. Yeah, Jim Spoiler. Jim Spoiler. Good point, uh, but we're not going to reveal it just because in case there's listeners that, I don't know, haven't watched this 25-year-old show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And finally, he says, also, I agree with the notion that Canis and the dogs make nice workaround of the rules of the game. Sometimes it is just nice to have a badass villain. Plus, this episode gave some Richie something to do. Keep up the good work. Jim from Detroit. Jim from nice. <laughs> oh, God. I just, like, burped a little and just taste pure cucumber flavoring. You don't even need to eat a salad with these chips. You know. Yeah. You don't even, because that's why people eat salads, that's for right. the, cucumber the cucumber flavor. Taste. I'll read this next one. This is from Mike M. Mike hey, M. N- new. Markham. Mark- Mark- that's right. Markham. Uh, someone new contributing. Thank you. Is that your favorite Batman game? Oh, Markham. Markham Mike- 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 Asylum. Markham Mike- Asylum, yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks for writing in, Mike. It's always good to hear from somebody new. He says, hey, rewatchers, you missed a darkness sequel. As many times as you mentioned the darkness in the most recent episode, it surprised me. The darkness 38, doggy style. <laughs> hey, <laughs> That's pretty uh, on point. Uh, yeah, it is good. And Mike also says, Wendy isn't the only one of us yelling slash laughing corrections in the car. Uh, sincerely, thank you all for taking the time to rewatch and entertain us all. Mike M. from Salt Lake. Thank oh, you, Mike. That's thank awesome. You, Mike. Yeah. Very nice. Us Doggy all. style. Just, all of us. Yeah, and I will round out the leader of the pack reader mail because it's once again directed at me. Great. Aww. Yay. This is from Clarissa F. She's written us before. Thanks, Clarissa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, Clarissa. I don't know about the end of this email. She says, in your most recent podcast, you were discussing the name of Seacouver State University. And saying, I'm sorry, I'm giving you this one, Clarissa. She <laughs> She's says, not sorry. Don't listen. Uh, and saying that uh, based on that name, Seacouver must be a state. That's not necessarily the case. Just look at I call it. Yep. But Ball State University in Indiana and Emporia State University in Kansas, Boise State University in Idaho, and many others. And that's the end of this email. Uh, 
Clarissa, did you not listen to like two minutes after we had this discussion where this was all brought up? Yeah, but you just you were not sure. You just had I to raised rub the, it in. I raised this point and you were unconvinced. No, so no, no, you, no, no. I'm not 100% unconvinced. I'm still saying that there's a possibility. Like that's not mm. proof that it's absolutely not. Some universities are named the one way. You did bring that up correctly. Clarissa seemed to ignore the fact that we did cover all of this. <laughs> and then she was like, you know what? I got to write an email about this. Maybe Cl- Clarissa went to Ball State because she's dunking on you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Clarissa, keep it up. Yeah. Just keep 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 on. emailing Keith. <laughs> Corrections. <laughs> keep him on his toes. That's right. He deserves. So thank you, Clarissa. Jim S. and Clarissa Mikey M. explained it all. Yeah, she did explain it all on that. And yeah. Low-hanging fruit I went for there. Oh, boy. <laughs> so um, thank you all of us. <laughs> I always just said thank you all of us. That's so good. Thank you, Clarissa. Yes, and thank, and you, thank you, Clarissa. everyone, who's writing us in. That's right. Kyle, we got two emails here about the double E's. Double league. Double league. This is from Paul... <laughs> The discussion about Amanda's accent and her origin got me thinking, so I went back and watched some scenes in Legacy. It appeared to be in France, but when she awakes with Rebecca, she is definitely using an, in- an English accent. Her origin is still murky, Paul. Murky. Do you I agree th- with that. You think she ever wore a merkin? Yes. Yeah. Eamon, a- for our people at home, what's a merkin? So a merkin is like a pubic hair wig, wig that you wear. I guess if you... Well, so you don't get like crabs and stuff, right? I I think it was also to conceal the fact that you had STDs. Oh, sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah, for the the unaware out there, or more commonly known today as sexually transmitted infections. infections. Keith just came in to hear me talking about STIs. Ooh. This is Merkin talk on Highland Rewatch. We're talking Merkins. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, you know, that's why uh, a woman's lady parts was called a beaver. Oh, really? Merkin. Because the Merkin was made of a beaver pussy. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, it was uh, often made of a, a beaver pelt, I believe. Oh, wow. Mm. So they called them beavers? I, I, I think that's true. Well, that's what I came in to contribute. Yep. What else we got? Good job. Uh, this one is from Jill S. No. She writes us, super fan, Jill S. Super fan. She writes us, hello, gentlemen. Hello. So how many pa- sets of magnets have I purchased? Three? Maybe four? Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Everyone at home, buy our magnets. Eamon, where'd, they, where'd those come from? I designed you them. You designed them. With help from Keith and Kyle. Yeah, it's some good shit. Get your unique art here. Support this podcast. Show enthusiasm for Highlander. And Eamon's art. Get them today. Be enthused. She writes, great review of the episode. It's also great how restoring the house adds continuity through the sea couver part of the season. I guess it gives them something to do. Like, yeah. what's, what, what does Max spend his time? He's clearly not running that gym. No, Richie's doing that. Max, Max fixing clocks upstairs. Less time for him to, like, dally about in his kitchen in the loft. And it does pay off at the end of the season, spoiler alert. Oh, I'm spoiled. We were all talking and we came to that conclusion. Eamon's yeah, <laughs> a spoiled brat. Yeah. Barats. Uh, as much as I enjoy Double Eagle, I have some Uh-oh. issues with Kit. Uh-oh. If he has no calluses, that means he never practices with his sword. Or does he do it with gloves on to prevent them? I suppose that's possible, but Amanda would have taken his head. Considering Max's serial relationships, if that was the last time Kit saw him with a lady, they've seldom seen each other since. 
Fair point. That's true. Mac, if there's one thing we know about Mac, it's that he can get it. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. I will. Also, we never really talked about, like, calluses in Immortals. No, we Cal- did. It was, it's we did like talk Kip- about that on the, the callus cycle. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, what, that's actually what it's all about. It's but, about- like, if Kip was like, I don't have any calluses, and Mac would be like, yeah, none of us do. We're all immortal. Like, what are you talking about? The like- duh. <laughs> See, that's, a, that's like a, almost a form of injury that's an advantage in some instances. Because, right. right, like, if you don't have calluses on your feet, your feet hurt. Right. Right. Mm. Like, every time they... They sword fight for too long, they're gonna get like blisters and their hands are gonna be killing them. Yeah. But if they have a bunch of calluses, they're all good. I guess maybe they just don't get blisters. Who maybe knows? they just don't get Who blisters. Who knows how any of this magical world works? <laughs> Who and magical how, how world. did I even say that sentence? Yikes. For me, the story showcased Amanda and how Mac affects her. She was so happy to have fa- er, eh, fairly won the double eagle, meaning mm. the casino. Right. It was now her place. And not initially about sticking it to Kit, but about having a stable home. Years later, when she finally knew that Kit hadn't burned the Queen of Spades down, it shook her because she was wrong about him. She had hated him, and he was innocent. When she sees his utter joy at the realization that Double Eagle won the race, she loses her anger at him completely. She has mercy on Kit, letting him think he won. Generous in victory, and not needing to show it much, except to Mac. After all, he's the only reason she changed her mind about Kit. All of our interactions with Richie were also hilarious, and I'm glad you enjoyed them, too. Oh, I'm glad you read The Watcher Chronicles, too. I haven't ever read Kit's. It's nice that he succeeded and he cared for Double Eagle. At least until some other immortal came by and took his head. Oh, (laughs) Oh boy. That's a dark ending (laughs) to this email. Sincerely. Thank you, Jill. Double Eagle Burgers. That's true. I mean, well, I have no belief that Kit comports himself well in a fight yeah me either jang my jang my jang i was just imagining going sword it used to be called sword sword i was just imagining all that sweet horse meat being like oh double eagle burgers these burgers are made out of eagle no double eagle's a horse (laughs) sweet horse meat this burger contains not one but double the eagle Eagle meat. Needs more horse. Guys, it's time for another little taste test. What do we got? We're still in Chinatown, baby. Uh, Kyle's had this before. I don't know if Eamon has. We're drinking some beers from China. All right, so we got some Yang Jing beer. Yang Jing. Not Sing Not Yang Jing. Yang Jing. Yang Jing. (laughs) Very nice. Well, it's in a nice green bottle. Well, cheers, boys. There we go. Cheers for three beers. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking brilliant. That's good. Uh, Uh... Tastes like I expected it would. <laughs> Which is how? How did you expect it to taste? Like Tsing Tao. It does taste like Tsing Tao, if you've ever had that. that I, is I, they all might be made by the same brewery. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, this tastes exactly the same. It's tasty, though. It's refreshing. Crisp. If, if I had some, like, Sichuan food here, something with, like, with lots of chili oil. Mmm, chili oil. I would destroy this. Eat more Sichuan food, people. Where do you think this uh, Chinese beer was imported from, Keith? From? Are imported by? Uh, probably someone in New Jersey or Boston. It was imported by Euro Brew Incorporated. Euro Brew. Where are they located? Ashland, Maryland. Ah. I didn't know that was a place. Moving uh, right along. Moving right along. All right. We got another ep- another episode. Another email from Jim's, James S. James S. This is regarding The Innocent. And this is a a lengthy email, and he gets into it, and I really appreciate it. All right, here we go. Guys, great podcast as always. Good. He starts off 
in the high notes. Yeah. Couple of points. First, the writers did their homework. Ooh. In 1868, the federal government and various tribes of the Sioux signed the Treaty of Fort Laramie, also known as the Sioux Treaty of 1868. So I'll give a little backstory to this. Like, I remember we had a lot of questions about what was like. Remember, he, like, was, he was implying that he was the kid owned, was a slave. Right. Yeah. There was this asshole in the flashback was whipping the kid and implying that he owned. Right. Him. And we were like, how is, is this possible? Territories versus states. What are the laws? It's post-Civil War. Blah, blah, blah. So. Jim is responding to that. The treaty established the Great Sioux Reservation, which gave the Sioux ownership of the Black Hills, among other lands, for all time. It did establish the U.S. government would have a right to punish both white settlers who committed crimes against the tribes, as well as any Indians who committed crimes against whites. After the treaty was signed, both the Sioux and the whites often broke the treaty. But when gold was discovered in the Black Hills, uh uh-oh... Yeah, that's uh, white people. This is when white gold. people start yeah. doing bad things. Yeah. Uh, the unauthorized parties. This are, is like the beginning of a reality show. Yeah, a whole horde of white people. Unexpected gold. What will happen next? Unauthorized parties of whites essentially invaded the Sioux territory. They set up towns and had to create their own functioning governments, which was the basic plot of the TV show Deadwood. Whites demanded that the government protect them for their illegal actions and. After Custer was wiped out in 1876, that was pretty much the end of the Sioux. And remember, while slavery was against the law, technically this was the era when it was common for farmers to basically go to orphanages and children's homes and quote-unquote adopt a child and use that child as free labor. That was the case of comedian Louis Anderson's father. So, yes. What? Louis? Wait, does that mean Louis Anderson's father was like a slaver? I don't know. Is that what that's implying? Or was kind of enslaved? or was enslaved. I'm not sure. So yes, I can believe a cowboy bought a Sioux boy from some outlaw and pled, had plans to make him quote unquote free labor. These were horribly racist times. You said it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, that, uh, after hearing your description of the first encounter with police, I reviewed the footage as it were. When Mikey was hit by the police car in an admittedly awkwardly filmed scene, the police get out right away and ask Mikey if he's all right. Mikey says, you hurt me and pushes one of the cops very hard. He seems to be fine and the police immediately restrain him ah that's interesting oh that he seems to be that fine. he seems fine so he was just in shock maybe that is standard procedure they don't know mikey he has proven to be dangerous and an assumption that he was under he's the proven effect- to be dangerous he shoved the guy i guess that's proof is it you've been shoved <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> that's not dangerous so you hit him with your car he has proven to be dangerous and an assumption that he was under the effects of a drug like pcp is not unreasonable we don't see mikey at the station so can't determine if police checked him out uh parentheses doing things like looking at his eyes to see if the pupils are non-responsive checking for wounds or whatever uh but that would be boring to watch uh in parentheses so when mcleod and richie pick mikey up of course mikey is being kept in a secure location he is shown to be strong very quick to anger and not right in head in reality mac would have to show some sort of paperwork establishing guardianship and most most likely some sort of competency hearing would have been quickly set up hmm Yes, some of the actors' reactions were over the top, and I suspect that was a directorial choice. But they only have 45 minutes to tell a story, so a shorthand showing that Mikey and this cruel world aren't meant for each other has to be established. And I've met some non-cognitively challenged people who love trains. Their nickname is Foamers, because they get so excited by trains, they foam at the mouth. What? We <laughs> live in an that. interesting world. Yeah. My biggest complaint is the a- episode is basically a ripoff of the play Mice and Men. Never heard of it. Uh, Jim... <laughs> <laughs> Jim's. Thank you, Jim. That was uh, an insightful email. Is that a Disney play? Mice and Men, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's talking, singing, mice, dancing. And, it's yeah. really great. They Mickey get along Mouse. super well. And then there's a mercy killing. A mercy killing. Like, like any good Disney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lassie. Yeah. Old Yeller. Lassie. Oh, that's what I, was, <laughs> I meant Old Yeller. One of those dogs. <laughs> One of those dogs. They all go to heaven, you know. Yeah, that's true. Not. Oh, actually. Not all of them. Some are going to hell. Yeah, that's true. Dogs do go to hell, yeah. which is weird. You've been a bad dog. dog. Bad dog. And the dog goes to hell. Also, that's a Don Bluth movie, not a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm intrigued by Louis Anderson here, this whole thing. Yeah, that met Merritt's follow-up. Yeah. Interesting comedy makes about the directorial choice about like the over-the-top reactions like you have 45 minutes to tell a story that is an interesting like i get it like it's like there's shorthand like we have to tell the story so you take shortcuts but there's also like a double-edged sword to that i think which is like you can perpetuate falsehoods in a way yeah. like i don't want to use the word falsehoods too heavy-handedly but like uh even in like you can let's kind say, of stereotype this guy you can stereotype guys i mean i would even say in like police crime dramas like it's like hey like you just need dna evidence or whatever like uh, yeah, but have you ever served on a jury? I, I have, becomes, and literally, literally somebody on the fucking jury with me, there's a murder case, and I can speak about this now, was like, well, they didn't have DNA evidence. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is insane. Uh, and he, like, thought that was, like, the linchpin to all of this. Like, there's no way it could be proved that he's guilty without DNA evidence. It's like, like, not true. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Eamon. Uh, Eamon is a big believer in DNA evidence, so. <laughs> No, no. I mean, the guy was on film shooting people. Uh, but even then, it was like, well, there's still no DNA. Like, this idea that, like, well, because you've got, you know, a TV show, like, things have gotten to go very quickly and test results and all this sort of stuff. Like, uh, I think there's that double-edged sword of portraying things accurately and also the, like, heightened reality of a situation. So, interesting point. I don't know what the point I'm babbling about is. Like, whatever. Anybody have any thoughts on Jim's email? Yeah, I would just say I still... <laughs> I still don't agree that he proved himself to be dangerous by shoving a cop who just hit him with a car. Maybe I'm extreme in my view, but I bristle every time, like by anything. And I don't, I don't want to put word in words in Jim's mouth to say he's implying this, but this comes up a lot in public discourse where a, a victim is imperfect in some way. Therefore, everything that happens to them is justified. And that bother, whenever that happens, that bothers me to no end. I obviously wish that I, it would obviously be great if he didn't shove the guy. Right. And again, not putting words in Jim S's mouth. Not putting words in Jim S's mouth. Right. But like, the kid, the, he shoves him. Does that mean he deserves to be arrested? No. It, like, I just think objectively it does not mean that. And the fact that he does this incorrect thing under kind of understandable circumstances, because a person could be very disoriented after getting hurled by a car, that, that, that doesn't mean that anything that happens to him afterwards is understandable because he did this one thing right certainly if you shoved anyone who wasn't a cop you wouldn't be arrested for that right like you just wouldn't that's not the way this would happen right so anyway that's my two cents i'm not saying you're saying that jim but it's something i have a heightened sense of awareness to sure and i won't go through the litany of examples that <laughs> dominate our modern discourse that i feel like i worry this feeds into but anyway yeah, yeah. Kai, nope Eamon hasn't read one for a good long while. I thought we've been doing it in order. Nope. I, wait, did I... How did that happen? I read you re- two. You read two. We're doing every two, two every time. Yeah. Is that not correct? No. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. What if I read? I've read two. It's been two, two, and two. We've been just going around a circle. No. What? Are <laughs> you kidding me? No. no, this, this is, is inaccurate. No, literally, this has been we've, completely fair. 
I it's been two, two, I, and two. I'm not complaining. I just haven't read. Oh, you know what? Did what happen? Did I read two and then we did the snack break? Mm-hmm. And then I read two more. Damn it! It was Damn supposed it. to be you. It was supposed to be a fair system. Fuck. <laughs> It's okay. It's really, uh, it's really okay. That was really, that was really what was going fun. on in my head. Ah, oh, damn it! Sorry, guys. Let's start over. <laughs> yeah, let's start just start over. the whole start episode over. over. Wow, what are these chips I've never seen before oh, in my I'm life? I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's it is really not, not to put words in Eamon's mouth, but it's really okay. Please don't. I'm not Jim. Uh, <laughs> so this well, is another another one. So email from Paul H, and the subject is fun fact. All right. Well, <laughs> Paul, buckle you're, up, you're, everybody. You're I setting the bar high here. Fun will be the judge <laughs> of ding, how ding, fun ding. this fact is. At the end of the episode for one, two, Family Tree, season one, episode two. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Watcher Chronicles say that Duncan was first killed in a battle with the Campbells. The Campbells stole some cows during a festival. But now we know this was really part of an ongoing feud over the death of Deborah Campbell. Uh, How about that fun fact, which we read on a previous episode? No, no, we didn't. We didn't connect it to. No, that. we did. We did not talk about that. We read that no. Watcher Chronicle, but we did not connect it up with Homeland. That's interesting. It is because that's her clan. That is her clan. Thank you, Paul. Uh, this land is. This clan is your clan. This clan is. Which clan? I don't know. Yeah, in America, we don't have many clans that you want to be associated with. <laughs> oh, you're right. Eey. Eey. So, just a bone of contention. While an interesting fact, was it fun? Was it fun? I had fun with it. Oh, I didn't. Okay. Kyle had fun. I had fun. You know, I might be in the minority here. Keith, with your clan enthusiasm, don't take that the yeah, wrong way. Okay. But, uh, clan enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. That, that is a fun fact. It's good to link those up because that's a subtle detail that we didn't explore. So, no. No. good yeah, on you. That's good. So here's the question. That's good. Is it because of her death, or was the marriage with her supposed to stop the fighting? Oh. That's was a, that that's supposed to be like part point. of the He's, peace? Right. And because they failed to make peace, he also dies. So before we read our, before we read our last email, we've got one more little taste test. Got some more chips. We got Doritos. Yes. Eamon, tell us about these Doritos. So these Doritos are <laughs> Thai pepper chicken. What? They're Thai pepper chicken, but these are Chinese chips. Interesting. Inception what? deception. Right, exactly. Chiggity China, a Chinese chicken. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. I haven't thought about that song in a long time. Chiggity China? Guys, you can't shine if you don't line. glow. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely does. Shrek. So I'm going to attempt to open these. Now, I'm not sure what the version of Thai chicken, like, I don't know. I'm imagining some lime, basil maybe. Some Lots of MSG, some kind of fake chicken flavor. The microphone's over there, buddy. Holy shit. These are really Thai chicken-y. Oh, oh that's, my God. Whoa. These are weird. Holy shit. These are really weird. <laughs> these are so. These are jarring. The taste engineers over at Dorito really uh, Lots of know lime. what they're doing. Weird savory meat flavor. Really savory. I'm into this. I could fuck up a bag of these. Yeah, I could fuck with these chips. <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of like these. These grow on you. Mm-hmm. The could... first one was jarring, but they've gotten better every time. Mm. Yeah, super savory. There's definitely basil, garlic, onions. Like, just like fried flavor. Like, they taste like deep fried nuggets of stuff. Yeah, some nugs. Do you have deep fried nugget chips? Mm-hmm. That's what he calls his nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Deep fried nuggets. That's right. That's gross. So cr- it's so gross. They're really crispy, guys. Yeah. 
Time to taste the deep fried nuggets. I recommend these. Once again, if you can get Doritos, Thai pepper chicken, they're nice and spicy. These are like a good level of spicy. Yeah, I'm way into this. Like a level that's not like too hot, I think, for most people. But like, I want to have more, have a drink of beer, which is exactly what I want from like fried Thai chicken, I think, anyway. It's like, oh, spicy chicken, chilies. Yeah. Drink some beer. Pretty good. Make it happen. Captain. Bird up. So, guys, last bum, bum, email bum. to round out our little email spectacular. Who wants Here. to read it? One of you fucking clowns. Gee, thanks. I'm uh, sorry. That's an insult to clowns everywhere. <laughs> I feel like on the bonus episodes, I'm meaner. Like, I, like, <laughs> I, feel, no, like, I feel like I try to be really positive during our normal episodes. Like, hey, guys, welcome to Highlander Rewatch. But like, then when people write in, I'm like, thanks, fucking whatever. Like, well, that's because they tease you. And you're like, I'm being upset about this partly as a bit, but how much of it? Is a bit. <laughs> Wendy P asked if I was really mad at her. Oh, really? And I was like, no. no. <laughs> I was like, what? You fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, stupid? Uh, we're just kidding. We love you, Wendy. <laughs> and so does Q. I think I quote you saying you were sick of her sending you condescending ass emails. <laughs> Maybe that had something to do with what she said. <laughs> I thought I was joking. You thought you were joking? No, I mean, I. I I thought it sounded like I was joking. joking. <laughs> Whatever. Wendy and all other super fans, your we treasure more you. precious than gold. We adore ye. We adore ye. This email is from Thomas D. Another new e- emailer. Another new emailer. Hey, emailer. guys. I found your podcast a few months ago, and I've been listening from the beginning every spare moment that I have. Wow. I'm finally caught up. Well, almost. I had to stop to email you in the middle of Leader of the Pack because you guys are cracking me up. Hey! 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 I'm 44 years old, and I've been a fan of the series since it first aired. I saw the series before I ever saw any of the movies, and I'm a much bigger fan of the show. I think what appeals Preach. to me about the show is that it was able to build a world that the movies just hinted at. From your first podcast, I found you guys hilarious. I love your irreverent sense of humor. That's the reason I had to email now. I think I've laughed more during this episode more than any other. I always love the Mac impressive. Possibility. And I always heard anus every time they said canis. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real good. <laughs> Quick story before I stop rambling. You can ramble these compliments all you would like. Yeah, really. Keep them coming. In the mid-90s, while the show was on the air, I attended two events that were Highlander related. The first was a tour of Scotland. It was put together specifically for Highlander fans with Gillian Horvath and Don Aletto on the whole trip with us. It was maybe about 20 people in total. We took a bus all through the highlands of Scotland. At one point, surprise guest Peter Wingfield showed up for a few days. It was amazing to be able to spend an enormous amount of time with people that were so involved with the show. In the episode Homeland, you guys mentioned Duncan walking past a pub and saying hello to a woman who happened to be the president of the Highlander fan club. I remember going to that same pub and recreating the scene for photos. I stood in for Duncan because of my passing resemblance from behind. I had a ponytail. That was the extent of it. <laughs> I also Keith, took a... Me, me pa- too. Me yeah. Keith, you used to have a passing resemblance to Duncan. That's true. I also did a mean roundhouse kick. Yeah, Ooh. exactly. That was also pretty tight. <laughs> mean Batman. I also took a Highlander, in quotes, cruise to the Bahamas with my girlfriend at the time, which was kind of a convention on the high seas. I got to see Gillian Horvath. Uh, I'm sorry it didn't work out with that girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm sorry. I hope it, or maybe it's not wife. I don't know. 
yeah, maybe it's his ex-girlfriend that's now his wife. Now his wife, that's right. <laughs> I got to see Gillian Horvath, Donna Leto, and Peter Wingfield again, as well as Elizabeth Grayson and Jim Burns, who also performed a concert for everyone. Both trips were awesome, and hearing about your convention experiences brought back some great memories. I wonder if anybody else listening remembers either of those trips. I'm sure they do. Yeah, so, yeah. and I also, know. I don't know, if anyone gets the chance to hear Jim Burns play yeah. live, do, that's, it. do it, do it, do it. That is worth a lot. Worth it's incredible. Weight in gold. Yeah. People just eat out of that guy's hand. Mm-hmm. Anyways, sorry for the long email. No apology necessary. We've received longer. Yep. More incoherent emails. Uh, we see longer, less complimentary emails. Yeah, that's I, true. I, I, ever, I feel chuffed positively after this. I hope to meet you guys sometimes to shake. Sometimes I hope to meet you guys <laughs> sometime to shake your hands and buy you a drink. We will gladly accept that drink. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> In the meantime, I think I might have to buy me some of those magnets. Yeah, have do we, it. Have we received? Thanks for this making magnet me order laugh. yet. Tommy nope. D. In Boston. Let's <laughs> get, know, we, let's we get did, on that magnet we did get order. A magnet order. I think it was not from him. Not. I don't think so. Was it? Was it Tommy D. In Boston? I don't think so. No, I don't think I shipped to Boston recently. Well, I'm gonna say thank you so much, Tom, for this. I don't know even Tommy. I guess I should say for this really oh, nice. Is this email. who the epitaph was for? That's yeah, right. This is. <laughs> this is oh, he's a celebrity. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is a the really one from n- the nice email. <laughs> no, it's a really great email. Yeah, and those, those are good stories, too. Yeah, about, they're uh, great. So, yeah, actually, if anyone has like good convention stories, we'd love to hear them, yeah. too. I, th- yeah, we still I don't, actually, I, I don't want to say, it, like, believe it or not, we still have some convention footage left. Yeah, we will not be done. We've been kind of mapping out the release dates for stuff. We're not going to be done until, like, it'll be like a year it'll take to release all this stuff from yeah. October to October. Uh, so stay tuned for at least another maybe three convention episodes, we think. Yeah, I so think. if you've got some convention stories, there are some, like, still good windows that are very on point for our remaining yeah stuff yeah content and is the word i was looking content. for but you know the tent but know, no I, I i will also say like we're a little younger uh like i didn't get to we conven- missed all the good stuff. yeah we didn't get to go to conventions yeah. and i think a lot of our listeners i mean some are i don't say i don't want to oh boy i don't want to like oh listeners are younger or older like uh a lot of our listeners have been to these conventions that we were not exactly and i think a lot of our to. listeners have also not been to those conventions too like i right. think there's a lot of listeners that are around our age that never got to experience that so if anyone has like really cool convention stories to share this might be a cool venue to do it in because you know uh some of those stories are go fun. on <laughs> fun Great. I don't want to say the word lot, like lot, like it's like we're not aware of those stories and times. Yes, and we don't want them to be lost to the ether. Exactly, right. Which was, you know, one of the nice things about Highlander Worldwide is we did get a little taste of what this thing was like. Yeah, totally. You know, at its zenith. Zenith. That's right. Zenith the uh, warrior princess. (laughs) Zenith warrior princess. (laughs) Order one of those magnet sets, Tommy. That's right. And you at home. And, and you at home. Order away. They're dope. <laughs> and you at home. <laughs> you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for writing in. Uh, in this week's episode, we covered three amazing food items from... Gina. Gina. We had some... What do we have? Cucumber Lay's potato chips, Doritos, Thai pepper chicken Chinese chips... And Yanjing beer. And Yanjing beer. All delicious. Thank you all up. for... Yeah. Sending us these great emails. We mm. love hearing from you. We love our fans. We we joke sometimes, but we are always deep down. No, it's su- awesome. Super appreciative. 
Thanks and, for taking this journey with yeah, us. Yeah, and keep sharing the podcast and subscribing, and make sure to leave a, a, a review on iTunes. Like, it literally really helps us. Like, five it stars. pushes us up. Yeah, five stars. Uh, also, this is a weird, like, tangent or something. Uh, I don't I'm, know what I'm talking I'm about. Bracing for impact. No, no, no it's go. not a bad thing because we were talking about this earlier. Uh, these, like, little snack reviews that we do, does anybody like these? No. I don't know. I, like, <laughs> I doubt we, it. We enjoy doing uh, it because like it's, like, a fun, like crazy snacks. thing. And also, I do – maybe I apologize for doing, like, a lot of Asian snacks recently, but I've got, like, a closet full of them. Uh, do you think somebody's going to write in because they don't like the number of Asian snacks? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, like, in this PC culture, why get. can't he eat any white male snacks? Yeah, yeah true. No, but, like, uh, like Coca-Cola Plain has a new Lays. Plain Lays. Let's review really boring snacks. Guys, we have uh, a new release from Nabisco here. It's a cheddar – white cheddar <laughs> – Flavored. This is called a Ritz cracker. <laughs> Dennis Moore came to tell us about that Ritz cracker. Cha cha. This is a Ritz cracker, babe. <laughs> Still working on those Michelle Wolf jokes. <laughs> you know what? The plain Ritz cracker is kind of an interesting. The uh, plain, the plain. <laughs> the plain Ritz cracker is kind of an interesting snack because you can kind of culturally appropriate any topping on top of it. It works. <laughs> oh, there you go. In that way, that snack is America. Yeah, exactly. That's true. All right, let's get out. We gotta get out. <laughs> All right, of this. thanks everybody for listening. Um, we'll be back uh, with brand new uh, episode recaps and all that stuff. Islander. Islander. <laughs> that's right. And on that note, thanks everybody. I've been Keith. This I've been Kyle. Keith. This is David. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Kyle, we got Kyle. <laughs> that last bit broke me. I'm Keith. Let me read this. I'll read the email first. Uh, so Maury wrote. Maury wrote us. Maury wrote. <laughs> here it comes. We last. We lost... Oh, my God. I'm really sorry, guys.